Agriculture professionals may have started the year with some optimism as producers look to improve trade relations to spark higher commodity prices, but that all changed with the introduction of COVID-19 and its ripples throughout the marketplace. According to one ag lender, though, the fundamentals for staying viable as a farm or agribusiness remain the same. Welcome to Feedstuffs in Focus, our podcast taking a deeper look at the big issues in the livestock, poultry, grain, and feed industries. I'm your host, Andy Vance. Thanks for joining us. This episode is sponsored by Hogslat. New for 2020, the Classic Pullet Feed Pan. Built to handle the most aggressive birds, the Classic Pullet features an anti-rotation clip, feed shutoff slide, and a shallow divided pan. You can learn more at hogslat.com. In this episode, we hear from Nate Franzine, president of the Agribusiness Division for First Dakota National Bank. Franzine says when challenges arise in the marketplace, it's important to go back to fundamentals and control what's controllable. He advises farmers to focus their energy and efforts into what they can do to give themselves the best potential opportunity to work through the environment facing farmers today. The balance sheet offers the staying power, he says, to weather bumps in the cycles or bumps in the road, whether it's Mother Nature or the markets. Working capital's been dwindling down in this down cycle, but Franzine says there are still opportunities to bolster that working capital position in most businesses. He also discusses updating the budget as conditions change and looking to leverage debt to get through rough patches. That is significantly helped by government payments this year, he says, which could approach 40 or 60 percent even of a potential Schedule F for farmers this year. With more on the story, here's Feedstuff's policy editor, Jackie Fatka. Why don't you just give me what your outlook was prior to COVID-19 for agriculture for the year and then how that's changed with what we've seen in the recent months? Coming into this year, we were in our you know, fourth or fifth year of this uh, bit of a down cycle in agriculture, and I was entering the year um, with a little bit of optimism. Um, the reason for that optimism is, number one, producers have adjusted to this new environment, and so a lot of adjustments have been made on the farm and ranch, positioning them to be viable in uh, this lower commodity environment. And so that was one reason for optimism. And then the other was we were finally making some progress on some new trade deals. And there was some hope, at least, that we could make some progress with China and other countries that could have a positive impact on the demand side of our uh, uh, product uh, and market. And so hoping that that could have led to some rallies. And, uh, of course, you know, COVID hit, and, and that's kind of changed everything. Let's go with with how things have changed because of COVID-19. What are ways that farmers need to reevaluate what may have changed from what they thought at the start of the year on their budget and planning planning forward for their business operations this year? First, let's just talk about what changed with COVID and, and uh, you know, lots of things changed with COVID. And uh, I'll start with consumer behavioral economics, right? Um, People have changed their buying habits. They've changed their consumption practices. Now, we think of food and people keep eating, right? They're not going to stop eating, and that's true. But how they're eating has changed substantially since we're now in this isolation environment of trying to reduce the risk of the pandemic spreading. And so uh, much more uh, food being bought in grocery stores, much less being bought in restaurants, and that has an impact. Uh, down the food system, uh, both from the distribution and packaging, as well as the value of the cuts, et cetera. Um, 
challenges in processing, whether it's packing plants or other forms of processing, we've certainly observed some real challenges there that's impacting us uh, trickling back to the farm. And then the other the other thing that I would point to with COVID is it, it's also changed our global trade activity. You know, I mentioned that we, we had some optimism coming in the year that we were going to make progress there, and now COVID has kind of delayed that progress and put some of those things uh, on hold, uh, at least for the time being, and hopefully that's, that's real short term, but, but we'll see. So, yeah, things have changed uh, substantially uh, in our marketplace uh, because of COVID. So what's, what's my recommendation uh, because of that? I guess I always go back to the fundamentals when, when we, we get into a challenging environment like this. And the fundamentals are control what's controllable. A lot of the things I just talked about, they're, they're not controllable. They're outside the control of a farmer or a rancher. And although that can be stressful and we have to, you know, we have to keep our eyes open and ears open to understanding what's going on around us, I think it's really important that we don't get too caught up in those things that we have very little control over and really focus our energy and our effort into what can we control, what can we do to give ourselves the best potential opportunity um, to, uh, to work through the, uh, the environment we're in. Let's expand on that. Control what's controllable. Um, what are some things that farmers can do now to improve their efficiencies, to manage their business in this tighter margin environment? Yeah, let me start with the balance sheet. Uh, I always think that's a, a place we need to start in agriculture, and the reason for that is that's our staying power. That's what helps us weather bumps in the cycles and bumps in the road uh, that we have to deal with, whether it's Mother Nature or the markets or what have you. And so um, that's the balance sheet structure is so important. You know, working capital, we know working capital has been dwindling a little bit in this down cycle. And so we're more vulnerable today in working capital than we have been. Um, we need to keep working that. And if you have something you can do today that can bolster your working capital position, you, you really need to be looking at that. You know, working capital gives us the ability to, uh, to, to weather bumps in the road. Um, the other area I would point to is your leverage. How, how much debt are you carrying on your operation? You know, if you happen to uh, grow on the front end of this uh, pandemic, you might find yourself in a tough position. If you took on new leverage and an expansion or what have you, uh, your timing could have just been uh, off in light of now what we know with the pandemic. And so uh, some operations are having to to make real serious decisions about how do I deleverage, how do I reduce the amount of debt I'm carrying because the amount I'm, I'm carrying today is not feasible as we go forward. And those are tough decisions. Uh, they're not easy. But I can tell you that the operations we've seen kind of grab their bootstraps and really roll up their sleeves and be proactive on those kinds of things have really positioned themselves well to uh, get through get through the bumps in the road and, and be, be more efficient and uh and be much more viable going forward. Interest rate risk is another one I'll point to relative to the balance sheet. The debt that you are carrying on your operation, if the Fed's moved down in interest rates, we're in a no better position than we have been in a long, long time to readjust our interest rate terms, lock in rates where it's applicable, and, and take some of that interest rate risk off the table. So all of those things are, are really, really important. And then, you know, really what we're kind of 
is we're trying to preserve our equity. Our core equity is the staying power of our farm. And what are things we can do to preserve that uh, the best we can? And when I when I talk about equity preservation, you know, I'm talking about how do I minimize losses potentially in a year where maybe it's just going to be really hard to find gains. Um, that said, we don't know. Um, there could be market opportunities as we go forward, and certainly the government is doing things to, to provide some support too. So we just have to do everything we can that we can control to uh, to uh, preserve equity, and you know, if an opportunity presents, to build on it. You know, you mentioned minimizing losses, and sometimes it's a matter of um, taking a loss instead of waiting for break even or or even profits. Maybe expand on that and how you can look at your budget, look at your balance sheet, and maybe set those those levels at a manageable amount as we head forward into a, a year that's obviously going to have some lower prices ahead. Really what I think about when you talk about that, yeah, is I think about your budget, your plan coming into a year. And obviously, if you put your budget together at the end of 2019 or in January, uh, you didn't know anything about COVID at that time. So, so that budget that you put together, that cash flow, has changed a bunch because of the new environment and changes to our environment. And so the folks that we see do the best in, in year in and year out, no matter what the environment is, but especially in uncertain environments like we're in today, the, the folks that have that budget, that plan that they put in place, but then they monitor it month to month, actual versus what they projected. So you're looking at what's happening versus what I thought would happen, and you're comparing the two. And yes, when the new when new information comes out, you have to adjust your budget, you have to adjust your plan, right? Um, you might have went into the year thinking, you know, four dollars or four and a quarter was a possibility in corn. Now we know with COVID that ethanol production is way down and there's other things negatively impacting and now maybe four and a quarter or whatever the number might be isn't, isn't sustainable. Well, you need to adjust your budget accordingly and, and come up with what you think a, a fair and realistic expectation is um, and then track it to what's actually happening. The folks that track it to what's actually happening make much better decisions much more timely because they know where they're at and they're tracking where they're at and how it's changing as the environment around them changes. So that's just a very, very effective best practice that we see uh, farms and ranches that do that just, just flat perform uh, better. And, you know, adjusting our expectations in a new environment is challenging, but, but we need to do it, right? What do we know today that changes what we think could happen and what we think is possible? Um, one other effective practice that I've seen people use around this budget is they do a uh, best-case scenario, a worst-case scenario, and a most-likely scenario. So you run two or three different scenarios based on what you think could happen, and then you, you, you track and monitor and adjust throughout the year. Those are very, very effective things. Um, and then the one last point I want to make on that, uh, you know, there are some years in agriculture where there's a home run that can be had, uh, but those years are really a few and far apart, and so I think the best practice is to always look for those singles, always try to find those little improvements that can make a difference, and in a year like this, it might be a year where even singles are hard to find, and so what we really need to do is just really try hard not to strike out, right? We want to try hard not to take that that large loss or that large 
minimize loss as opposed to take a big loss, that might be the best thing you can do in a, in a year like this with uh, so many volatility and, and uh, unknown. It's June 1st when uh, we're talking today, and we just got some details here within the last couple of weeks from uh, another government program to help farmers, the CFAP, the Coronavirus Food Assistance Program. Obviously, livestock producers could see a, a big boost from that, as well as direct payments for grain producers. Talk about how that can help them weather what what they have before them and, and how to stretch those government dollars uh, throughout the year. If I look back over decades in agriculture, there, there have been times and cycles where we have been more dependent on uh, government. And I think back to the, the late 90s and the early 2000s, uh, you know, it was common for 40 to 60 percent of the gross revenue on, on a farm Schedule F come in the form of government payments through LDT and things like that back in those days. Well, this, I'm afraid this year might be one of those years where uh, you know that government support is really going to be a, a big difference for people to bridge the gap. And so, uh, number one, you have to manage your farm the best you can manage it. You have to be as efficient as possible, try and maximize revenue, try and uh, really um, maintain and monitor expenses so that you don't incur any unneeded expense, and then just know and have some level of faith that, you know, in light of this pandemic, the government has stepped up and they're doing lots of things to try and provide support and help in the industry, and those, those things are going to add up, and uh, you know, based on what we've seen so far with CSAP, uh, for sure, on the livestock side, that's going to be significant, but it's going it's to add up for, for others as well, and uh, you know, that's just one program. You have IDLE, you have CCP, there's, you know, there's all these programs out there, WIP, PLUS, and WIP, and you know, the Livestock Indemnity Program. Really, what I'm, the reason I'm bringing all those things up is it's important that producers just stay in tune with uh, FSA and the USDA offices and really pay attention to what's available to them. Work with your, your experts, your bankers, uh, those that you work with to try and explore options there. And, uh, you know, they, they won't all fit uh, your particular situation, but when they do, really, uh, really look to take advantage of what's available to you. It is hard to stay on top of all of these different types of programs, but, uh, and you mentioned kind of earlier on, too, just kind of sorting through the noise and, and trying to keep your head above water. Um, what final words do you have for producers who may look at what's on paper or um, even the ongoing string of negative news? How do you uh, encourage them to, to stay afloat and to, to weather yet another storm that's, that's coming at the ag industry? I, mean, I think the first thing that comes to mind with that question is, is mental health, right? Uh, I think, number one, you have to maintain your mental health. And that's, that's the number one, no matter what your situation is on your farm or ranch, um, nothing is more important than your, your mental health. And, uh, you know, something I talk about a lot with our, our clients and the producers we work with is, you know, there's a difference between your self-worth and your net worth. Those two things aren't necessarily connected. Um, your self-worth is the people you surround yourself with, the priorities you set in life that are uh, most important to you, and that usually revolves around people and family and, and faith and, and, you know, health, those kinds of things. Your net worth, that's, that's the business you're running, and, and depending on uh, your position 
on your employees, lean on your family, lean on uh, your trusted uh, advisors and experts. They will help you make sense of all the noise. They will help you identify what can I control and what can't I control, and let's not worry about what we can't control, but let's really hone in on the things we can. Probably the biggest thing I would say there, Jackie, is just seeking advice, seeking help is a strength, not a weakness. And too often we think, well, if i got to get help, something's wrong with me, that's a weakness. Well, that, that's far from the truth. People that uh, are the strongest, that perform the best, they lean on others, they lean on their advisors, they, they have an advisory team around them, and uh, seeking advice, seeking help is a strength, not a weakness. Some great final words there from Nate Franzine. To really help farmers, it, it is a strength to look uh, to others for help and, and to build yourself up and surround yourself with knowledgeable people. Nate is one of those. So thank you so much, Nate, for taking the time to talk today. And thanks to Feedstuffs Editor Jackie Fatka for an important discussion of farm finances in the midst of an economic crisis. You can read coverage of the latest on COVID-19 and the farm economy in the pages of Feedstuffs and by subscribing to the Feedstuffs Daily e-newsletter. Thanks again to Hogsland for sponsoring today's episode. New for 2020, the Classic Pullet Feed Pan. Built to handle the most aggressive birds, the Classic Pullet features an anti-rotation clip, feed shutoff slide, and a shallow divided pan. Learn more at hogslant.com. I'm Andy Vance, and you've been listening to Feedstuffs In Focus. If you want to hear more conversations about some of the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and feed industries, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Google, or you can check out our website, feedstuffs.com, for future episodes. Until next time, have a great day, and thanks for listening.